0: after the death of Iranian woman Masa Amini, protests against the regime continue and in fact grow in other parts of the world. Are the anti-Hijab protests at a tipping point now or will they peter out as others before them have? Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sohasini Haider. This is episode 87 and we're looking at how the world has reacted to the protests in Iran that have continued for several months now and why India has made no comment. That's a bit later but first let's just take a look what happened so in july this year the government announced uh, led by abraham raisi announced it is going to specially mark the national day of hijab or the head covering and chastity that's the day of he- uh, the hijab and chastity with special programs like this one also a crackdown by the guidance police on women not covering their head as per iranian law of 1979 from the revolution Several women's rights groups, both inside Iran and the large diaspora, remember more than 4 million Iranians outside the country, many in exile, announced that they would hold protests, where they would actually remove those headscarves. Many filmed videos of themselves, of other women without the hijab. This was part of a campaign called hashtag MyStealthyFreedom. It was started by journalist and activist in exile, Masih Ali Nejab. She lives in, uh, Masih Ali Nejad actually lives in the US. She also uh, travels to other parts of the world, but she can't go back to Iran right now. Threats on her life. She gave an interview to me at The Hindu, if you'd like to read that as well. So this happened on July 2012, uh, and the protests continued. On July 23rd, Iran's headquarters for what is called Enjoining Right and Forbidding Evil announced that posting such videos or sending them to Ali Nejad would actually attract a 10-year prison term. Even so, those protests had grown. More videos flooded the internet with the slogan, Women, Life, Freedom. Zen, Zindagi, Azadi. Then on September 13, this is when things really took a turn. The guidance patrol, as it's known, arrested a 22-year-old woman, Masa Amini, in Tehran. She was traveling with her brother. They claimed she wasn't wearing her hijab appropriately not covering her head properly, and said she would be made to watch a re-education video. Instead, Masa never returned home. Police said she died of a heart attack in the station, but her family denies that. Instead, saying she had been beaten to death, died of her injuries. Protests, particularly those marking Masa's funeral, grew larger. They continue to be seen on an unprecedented scale. While the regime denies anyone has been uh, killed, activist monitors outside Iran say that more than 300 people have already been killed in the protests over the past few months. Then in the last few weeks, many prominent Iranians, even from inside the country, have joined cause with the protests. Sportsmen like this Indian Super League Iranian football star who wore a t-shirt with that uh, uh, slogan of women, life and freedom. The Iranian water polo team in Dubai refused to sing the national anthem before their match. Rock climber Elnaz Rakabi, who completed a championship without her hijab in South Korea, then returned home to these big protests in her honor. Really, Famous film actor Tarane Ali Dosti became the latest to release a photograph without the hijab as well. This is not the first time, however, since the 1979 revolution, that protesters are demanding more freedom. But what's important is all these protests are continuing since 2009. So we're seeing a real uptick in the protests against the regime and the revolution since 2009. In 2009, there was actually a Green Movement. Uh, This was a democratic movement. It was born out of an election which many reformist opposition supporters said had been rigged in favor of hardline cleric Mahmoud uh, Ahmadinejad in 2011 and 12 the day of rage protests as they were known against the islamic regime were revived and this also curtailed uh, if you like uh, conjoined with the arab spring protests of the time in 2017 after a sudden increase in food prices another round of protests rocked the country on economic issues and each time the crowd's really growing and then in 2019 it was fuel prices a huge i think 100 to 200 percent increase in fuel prices that set off another series of protests, those were known as Bloody November because of the tough crackdown by the regime in which hundreds uh, were believed to have been killed. In 2022, this year, protests against the compulsory hijab are certainly significant, also because they come at a particular time in geopolitics, So, what's happening in the rest of the world that is in a sense contributing to what we're seeing inside Iran. One is the ties between Iran and the Western countries have been spiraling over nuclear issues in particular, after Iran really refused to follow IAEA recommendations, claiming it was the U.S., not Iran, that had broken the JCPOA nuclear agreement, it was, as it was known with the U.S., uh, Europe, and Iran. Those negotiations are still ongoing, but the tensions are quite high. The U.S. also claims that Iran has supplied drones to support the Russian war in Ukraine that has added to the tensions Iran denies the claim but in many capitals what we've seen really is pro-Ukraine protesters anti-Russia protesters and Iranian anti-hijab protesters have really found common cause also the protests in Iran come at a time remember that Iran's arch rival Saudi Arabia another repressive regime when it comes to women's covering has begun to actually liberalize and loosen the rules around Pardah Uh, Iran in fact now blames Saudi-owned media for fomenting the violence and protests in Iran, with one minister warning uh, that Tehran's strategic patience could run out against Saudi Arabia. Of course, Iran and Saudi Arabia have for years had a proxy Sunni-Shia war uh, across countries in West Asia. Also happening this month, the Human Rights Council is in session. Of course, India is facing its own review there, but many countries like the US and the EU, imposed sanctions on iran over its crackdown on the protest germany is in fact demanding a special session to discuss human rights in iran which could lead to another international showdown so what is india's response in all of this been as we said india has consistently said it has no comment the ministry of external affairs even when asked about the protests, has said they have no comment on what it calls developments inside iran making that very specific point that india does not wish to interfere in iran's uh, personal uh, matters. This year, New Delhi, of course, welcomed Iranian Foreign Minister Amir Abdullah Prime Minister Modi also met with President Raisi in Samarkand in September this year. So what explains the government's policy? To begin with, of course, and we've said this on previous worldviews, India and Iran have traditional ties. Each government, including the Modi government, has really improved on them in trade, in transport, in transit, uh, in energy, strategic issues as well. Remember, India's ties with Iran are part of its commitment to non-alignment. Both are a part of the NAM movement. They also balance India's strong relations with Iran's enemies. India's relations with the US, with Saudi Arabia and Israel are also very, very strong. So it's important to have a kind of counterbalance in these ties. Second, at present, India's most important project in Iran is connectivity. Though India developed Chabahar port as well as over the international north-south transport corridor, the INSTC, to Russia. uh, Iran is really an important partner to India when it comes to India's desire to circumvent Pakistan, to connect to Afghanistan and to Central Asia. Iran is indispensable for India's connectivity westward. Third, at a time when the Modi government is facing international criticism over the treatment of minorities in India, including at the Human Rights Council in Geneva this week, New Delhi would not like to open flanks with Iran, which really doesn't criticize India on the international stage, even if it makes its concerns known bilaterally. The government also has been particularly sensitive over criticism for the hijab ban in colleges in certain states like Karnataka, and therefore does not want to say anything about the mandatory compulsory hijab in Iran because it considers this a personal matter. Fourth, with the price of oil rising and the US and EU putting more restrictions on Russia, India has really been exploring the possibility of reviving oil imports from Iran. Remember, Iranian oil is sweeter, cheaper and was was one of India's major suppliers, until the Trump administration threatened sanctions against India for buying it and the government decided to end Iranian oil imports in 2019. Uh, Three years later, while India has refused to stop oil imports from Russia, which as of this month is India's biggest supplier, a 21-fold increase in imports. Given the nature of the conflict, India does need a backup plan for energy. At the end of the day for India, the protests in Iran will be seen as an internal matter. And although many women's groups in India and other groups have expressed solidarity with Iranian women, it is unlikely that the government will say much, particularly while bilateral relations remain strong, For the West, that has a portion for advocating regime change in countries where it doesn't have good relations, this diplomatic signaling we're seeing, support for the protests will of course continue, although given Iran's nuclear and military resources, its ability to resist sanctions for so many years now, uh, probably will not turn to external intervention. Eventually, any change therefore will have to come from within Iran. Now, we've given you a recommended reading on Iran in the past when it comes to the context of Iran-India relations. Let's talk specifically about the protests. To begin with, I'd like to recommend some books that have been written by women on Iran, many of them expatriates, many of them exiles who can't live in Iran anymore. The first is the, uh, the, the journalist activist that I mentioned who's behind many of these hashtags, Masih Nejad. She has written The Wind in My Hair, My Fight for Freedom in Modern Iran. She, it's, a, it's a brief memoir very well worth reading. Also by Nobel laureate Shirin Ebadi, Uh, two books, Until We Are Free, My Fight for Human Rights in Iran, Uh, and her previous book, Iran Awakening One Woman's Journey to Reclaim Her Life and Country. That's a 2007 book by Shirin Ebadi and Azadeh Moavin. The next book is called Unveiled. Now, this is a contentious book. It's not something you necessarily agree with, but it's called, How Western Liberals Empower Radical Islam, Unveiled. And this is by Yasmi Mohammed, another exile who's grown up in Canada. Uh, then, of course, there's Azar Nafisi's Reading Lolita in Tehran. It's a memoir in books, and it's a really, really interesting read of how she continued her interest in books, even uh, through the revolution. Uh, there are more books on protests, and particularly on Iranian politics. Contesting the Iranian Revolution, very interestingly written book about the green uprisings that everyone thought were dead. But certainly in these, uh, this decade, we see them by Puya uh, as well Puya Ali Alimagam. And Defending Iran by Gowad Bhagat. Remember, many of these names do sound very like Indian names. Uh, it's about looking at Iran's strategic strength, defense capabilities in particular. So a fairly detailed research book. A little more academic. There's also an interesting book that I read once called the Battle of the Ayatollahs in Iran, the United States foreign policy and political rivalry since 1979. Uh, it's now out in a paperback version. This is by Alex Matanka. Uh, it's a really rare look inside Iranian politics, particularly that between uh, two particular uh, um, uh, clerics, Khamenei and Rafsanjani. Uh, also, if you're interested to go deeper into historical books, uh, as well as iran's ties with other countries of course on, just before the revolution the fall of heaven the Pelavis and the final days of imperial iran this is by andrew scott cooper very interesting read and lovely photographs america and iran a history 1720 to the present by john Gasvinian. now this is a real uh, masterclass on in uh, u.s iran ties which have been very close in the past there is talmiz ahmad the diplomats west asia at war. Uh, that is a very interesting book about repression, resistance and great power games. Almiz Ahmed, of course, a diplomat to the region, uh, has written this and it's it's very well uh, sort of bifurcated the book in every chapter looks at a different country. And finally, Cold War in the Islamic World, Saudi Arabia, Iran, and the struggle for supremacy by Dili If you haven't read that already, we certainly recommend you do. And we hope you will join us here on Worldview again from the team. Thanks for watching.